Hi, I'm Tony Hines and you're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. This is the News Roundup, all things happening that impact supply chains this week. Inflation in Turkey is reportedly 80%. Inflation's a problem everywhere. That's a big problem in Turkey. It's a big problem in Europe too. It's a big problem in the United Kingdom. It's a big problem in the United States. It's all heading to 11%. So what can be done? Well, lots of stories in the news this week about inflation, energy costs, and fuel prices. Still the biggies. And we still have climate change on the agenda. And Mollamersk this week is in the news. Story coming up later. Sainsbury's in the news trying to keep the prices low for consumers. Other retailers in the food lines. Tesco too in a spat with Heinz, a big brand. And of course, we've had chaos in the United Kingdom. All about Boris Johnson resigning as Prime Minister and the shooting of an ex-Prime Minister in Japan. Very unusual circumstances. So a lot more intolerance around, I feel, in the world at present. And a lot of division, which is not good. And we've still got the war going on in Ukraine. And food prices are on the increase, energy prices on the increase, as you'll hear. So stick around and listen to the news roundup. Well, if we think inflation's bad in Europe and in the United States, I was reading this week that inflation in Turkey is 80%. So that means that your money is going to devalue in little more than a year. If it's 80% inflation, it's not going to be worth very much this time next year. Inflation, of course, around the globe is having a devastating impact, and it will do as it continues. It'll affect electronics automobiles, food, metal, fuel, energy, everything. So it's a global problem at present. Now, have you ever wondered what happens when inflation comes along? Well, it introduces chaos. Costs go up, profits go down, cash flows drained while you try to get more goods, save time, keep customers happy. But the biggest thing, of course, you could lose customers in the process because prices might have to go up to cover your costs. And that's what's happening around the globe at present. I was taken this week by Turkey, who are reporting 80% inflation. Now, that's a lot more than Europe. At least we're under 10 at the moment, although there's a promise of 11 later in the year. So what can be done? Well, that's the one the politicians need to focus all their attention on instead of being concerned with themselves and priorities for yesterday, they need to focus all their attention and muster all the resources to get that inflation down. Energy costs need to be lowered and fuel costs need to be lowered sooner than later. These inflationary pressures can be so damaging for an economy. The British Chamber of Commerce recently surveyed 5,700 firms and two-thirds of those that were responding said they'd have to put prices up in the next three months. And so, from that survey alone, you can see that inflation is not going to go away anytime soon because they're going to have to put their prices up because of the cost pressures in supply chains that they're experiencing and they're going to have to pass them on to their customers. Sainsbury's reported in June, to the end of June, this uh, half year, that their turnover was down by 4% over the previous year. And they expect the second half of the year to be even lower. 
This is because it's very challenging now for households with inflation to maintain the spend previously. And indeed, with prices going up, that will put more pressure on those households. Sainsbury, of course, along with some other supermarkets, has taken steps to try and support consumers with prices being frozen on many lines as much as they can. But of course, if it starts to bite into profits in a serious way, they won't be able to maintain that indefinitely. So it's tough times in retail, I think, especially food retail. Japanese Prime Minister Abe Shinzo was shot dead in Tokyo, Japan, a country not noted for gun crime, by a 40-year-old ex-Navy man. Reason not yet known. In the United Kingdom, Boris Johnson eventually resigned when 59 of the MPs in the British Parliament resigned the post in the Conservative government. So some turmoil, some chaos. And the problem with the Prime Minister in the UK has been it's about him and not about the country. So I think that's one of the major problems that he's suffered from. And all these resigning MPs said he told too many lies and there was a question of integrity. Well, it's been on the cards for some time and now it's happened. So, bit of chaos, bit of turmoil. Not a good time to be Prime Ministerless. What this will all mean for the United Kingdom and its trade policy, and in particular the Northern Ireland Protocol, is unclear. I think the one thing you can say about the UK in the past couple of years, it's been pretty unclear. It's been a bit chaotic. And we've still got all that Brexit friction. I think Brexit's done more harm than good so far. And it's costing money, and it will of course add to inflation. Elon Musk's £44 billion deal to buy Twitter has hit the rocks. It's been looking likely for a couple of weeks now. Musk is blaming Twitter for the failure of parts of the agreement that they reached. But some say it's uh, more a sign that Musk might have cash flow problems. The valuation of tech stocks have gone down since April when Musk was considering this bid the first time. He's claiming, of course, that he can't get information from Twitter about the number of accounts they have and some basic data that he wants. But many analysts are saying that he's stretched himself too far with his other companies, Neuralink, SpaceX, the Boring Company and Tesla. And so Twitter perhaps has gone lower down the agenda right now as he concentrates on maintaining those businesses. Household bills for energy in the United Kingdom are forecast to reach £3,363 this winter. That's a huge increase. And how people are going to meet that cost? Well, remains to be seen. It will also have a damaging effect on the rest of the economy, of course, because it will mean that disposable income will drop, not through taxation, but through those energy costs. And that leaves less to spend on other things, like food, healthcare, and general household expenditure. So I think some businesses are going to be badly affected by this lack of consumer spending, particularly hospitality businesses and perhaps tourism. Fuel prices have also continued to rise, and that's for both petrol and diesel. Diesel prices in the UK have hit around the £2 mark, and petrol 
is around 192, 191, 192 per litre. And the Competition Market Authority said this week that it was investigating the post-refinery costs for both petrol and diesel. I get the message here that uh, they think there might be some profiteering taking place by refineries. Those in the industry, of course, argue that as demand for both petrol and diesel rose post-pandemic, the refining capacity couldn't keep up with demand, and so they've had to put up prices. So they're arguing it's just a matter of supply and demand. But the Consumer Markets authorities want the data. They want to investigate. The CMA is concerned that there's a growing gap between the price of crude oil before it goes into processing plants and compared to the price once the oil refineries have processed it into petrol and diesel. The difference between crude oil and the wholesale price of petrol has tripled from 10 pence to nearly 35 pence per litre. This accounts for 40% or 2.5 pence per litre to consumers. And as I've said in previous episodes, of course, there's an enormous amount of fuel tax on both diesel and petrol. And that could do with lowering too. So if there still is a Chancellor of the Exchequer in the UK, perhaps they could lower that one. It would help everybody and the supply chain. There is both the fuel tax, which accounts for 30 to 40% of the cost of the gallon you buy. And there is the 20% value-added tax on top of that. So, as we said, an enormous amount of taxes on fuel. And it's a stealth tax because as the price of fuel goes up, the government just gets more money because it's an ad valorem tax, a by-value tax. So the price at the pump increases the government's coffers, but it strangles businesses and consumers. It means everybody pays more for food and household goods because they have to be carried by road. And so distribution costs have gone up by significant amounts during the past year. All the statistics coming out of government in the United States and in the United Kingdom show that there's a very tight labour market at present and it means that it's difficult to fill posts when they become vacant. And there are lots of vacant posts at present. And in the United Kingdom, of course, Brexit has added to that problem as people can no longer freely move between the United Kingdom and Europe and vice versa. And of course, that's adding to the problems we're seeing at airports presently with capacity problems, with staff shortages, and of course, in the health services and in hospitality and tourism. So all these industries suffering enormously. The chief executive of Ryanair, Michael O'Leary, said in the past week that it was a serious issue that they couldn't get enough staff at the airport and they can't get enough cabin crew. And he forecasts that uh, airfares will have to rise significantly in the next few years as a consequence of these labour shortages and the increasing cost of fuel. Soren Skoo, who is the chief executive of Maersk, said back in February this year that consumers would be willing to pay a little bit more for goods if they thought that shippers and shipping companies were tackling climate change. He said a container coming from Vietnam would probably add about six cents to a pair of sneakers. Well, that's not much, is it, on the price of those things? So I think we'd all pay six cents. 
even in these very difficult times, if we thought we were doing something to make a contribution to climate change. Maersk pays about 4 billion US dollars, about 2.8 billion pounds, 3 billion pounds on fuel every year. So that's a heck of a spend. This week, AP Moller Maersk has withdrawn its board member from the industry organisation, the International Chamber of Shipping, the ICS, partly over the trade association's stance on climate change, according to the company's website. Maersk, of course, is one of the world's largest shipping groups, and it's been part of the ICS board for about a decade. But Maersk executive and board member Henriette Halberg Diggerson has stepped down after an annual revision of trade association memberships. The company says that they review membership status once a year to ensure that the trade association in which they are members are in alignment with the goals of the Paris Agreement, as well as other key issues. The Paris Agreement is a legally binding treaty between the world's countries agreed in 2015, aiming to limit global warming by curbing global greenhouse gas emissions. So that's a good... uh, a good stance by Maersk, I think, showing that they truly believe in sustainability. Maersk want to have a carbon-neutral fleet by 2030, so that's their key objective. And I suppose if they feel that the ICS is not on board with this climate change, then they can't give their membership to that group. Perhaps other members of the ICS will feel similarly. It might push them into some action. They certainly need to do something to stop the dirty fuel going into the oceans of the world. There was a piece in the MIT Technology Review this week that looked at how green steel could be made with electricity and clean up a dirty industry. It's a piece by Casey Cronhart. When you climb up a set of stairs to look over Boston's metals' newest project, it becomes clear just how big a job it is to cut steel's climate impact, according to Casey. Steel, of course, is used in everything from cars to buildings, wind turbines, all kinds of industrial products, and fossil fuels are essential to the production of steel. The very high temperatures needed to make steel in the blast furnace is often coal-powered. Well, they use coke, actually, but uh, it's based on coal. It's a derivative of uh, coal. And that's almost pure carbon. It mixes iron oxides and other minerals, and it can get efficiently to those very high temperatures. And that's a problem for steelmakers because, you know, when they've gone to get those heats of 1600 degrees centigrade or 3000 degrees Fahrenheit, that's a lot of energy. So anything to change the way in which those temperatures can be reached is a really good uh, solution. Anyway, you can read all about that in the MIT Technology Review. It's an article that was published, I think, at the end of June. And it's about a startup company in Boston called Boston Metals, which has a new pilot reactor to test out this emission-free technology. Now, there's been a big spat going on for a few weeks between one of the largest food brands in the world, Heinz, and Tesco in the UK. And uh, Tesco, of course, haven't been full of beans for some time. And that's because... Heinz have stopped supplying them with uh, quite a number of products while they sort out the increase in prices that they want for their goods. Heinz say that they've incurred additional costs in production and Tesco wouldn't agree the payment because they're trying to keep prices low for consumers. But of course, many consumers 
do like the Heinz baked beans and they like that tomato ketchup that they pop on their burgers and so on in large quantities. And substitute products don't seem to cut it for many. So uh, Tesco have been busily trying to negotiate a settlement with Heinz to get those goods back on the shelves. And the good news for consumers this week is they're back. The beans are back. Everybody's jumping for beans. So, interesting when there's a standoff between a brand and a retailer. If you're powerful enough, you can push your prices up. If you're just a small supplier, of course, well, you try doing that. Well, that's the news roundup for this week, and I hope you've enjoyed it. I'll be back with the midweek edition, so I'll see you then. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. I'll see you next time. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, written, presented and produced by Tony Hines.